But when I think about the topic that the Lord has laid on my heart today is revival. When I think about revival, I think that it begins and ends with the heart. And I started praying about what to preach here today. And the Lord kept coming over and over again to me, one verse, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. And I said, are you sure? Because I've only been preaching about a year and a half, and usually I preach on whole passages. The Lord just kept coming back to 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. And, you know, sometimes he just keeps reaffirming you. You see the verse. And then when I started to sit down and I started to pray about this sermon, every time, every time I got upset, I was literally brought to tears at the state of our nation today. It's brought me to tears on the nation that I'm preparing to hand off to my children and their children to the Lord Terry. It's not the nation that I grew up with, is it? Prayer is prohibited in schools. The Ten Commandments have been forced to be taken out of a courthouse. The Arkansas Supreme Court has ruled that creation can no longer be taught in public schools. Same-sex marriage is being legalized in many states. Abortion has been legalized since I've been born. America is turning away from Christian values, sexual purity, and church attendance. You know, I read a stat from Tom Rainer um, this week while I was away that said for people who were born before 1946, 51% of them attend church every week. And then from 1946 to 1964, if you were born, it drops to 41% all the way to the people who were born between 1977 and 1994, only 29% of those attend church on a weekly basis. America is turning away from the recognition of Christian holidays, Christian worship, Christian symbols. Instead of Merry Christmas now, what do people like to call it in the world? Happy holidays. Church, something needs to be done. And I realize that if we're literally going to have a revival and a spiritual awakening in this nation and a revival and a spiritual awakening in this church, we as God's people are going to have to do something for it to turn around. We're going to have to let God work in our hearts and our lives. And so when we get ready to read the scripture today, literally take the scripture in and what it says. And, and right now I invite you to stand and honor reading God's word if you're able to. Second Chronicles 7.14. I'm reading from the ESV. If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I just... I'm sorry for the part that I've taken and not honoring you and everything that I do, Lord. And this nation is, 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 a, is in a place that sometimes it, it feels like it's, it's not, not a place that can be healed, Lord, but your word says that it can be healed, but you're calling on us to do things, Lord. And I pray today, Lord, as we open up your word, that you empty me of myself and fill me up with your spirit, Lord, for your word to be proclaimed boldly Lord, and that the hearts and the congregation are prepared to hear what you would have us know today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, worry has gripped this nation. Um, I think in Philippians 4 it says, Do not be worried about anything, but in everything be in petition to the Lord. But, quite frankly, it's hard to do in real life, isn't it? 
People are worried about their job. People are worried about their finances. People are worried about their housing situations. People are worried about the state of our schools today. It's not the school system that I, I grew up with. Worried about their weight. I had to do something about my weight. The doctor told me that I was overweight. Matter of fact, I like to tell this story. I went to the doctor and he didn't tell me that I was overweight. He turned around and told the microphone that I was overweight. Isn't that kind of comforting? You know, he sits there and he says, I'm here with Michael Moore today. Um, he's alert, he's awake, he's coherent. My first observation is that the patient is obese. And I'm saying, I am right here. I am right here. What are you doing? Can't you tell me? You know, people are worried about their weight, but they literally got worrying me, and, and I had to shed 30 pounds, and I think like 140 more to go, and I'll be healthy. <laughs> people are worried about their marriages. People are worried about their health. Worry is literally all over the place. Am I the only one? You know, many people are worried, and they try to find comfort and peace, and they find it in the wrong places. Unfortunately, people turn to alcohol. They turn to drugs. They turn to ungodly relationships, ungodly activities. And I'm not naive to think that this is only the unchurched. There are many people, probably some in this congregation, that are suffering from a lot of things. And we're doing things that are ungodly and things that are not honoring the Lord. But for Christians, we should know that peace only comes from having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. But what about the people who do not have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? They search everywhere for happiness because they do not know the Prince of Peace. They do not know where to find it. They do not know the Lord is their Savior. Do you realize that there are over 258 million people in North America that do not know the Lord is their Savior? That's sad, isn't it? It's humbling. It also seems overwhelming, doesn't it? I mean, how can we impact 258 million people that if they were to die today, that they will spend eternity away from God? And it reminds me of a story that I, I was at the beach this week. We didn't get any rain. Did y'all get rain here? No rain? I heard, of, I heard it was cool here this week. Um, <laughs> not. But it reminds me of a story of a father and a son walking down the beach after a storm. And there were starfish that were strewn all over the sand. And they're, they're walking, and the father picks up a starfish, and, and he throws it into the ocean. And then he picks up another starfish, and he throws it into the ocean. And finally, the son asked, Dad... There are so many of them, how can we possibly make a difference? And as the dad picked up the next starfish and prepared to throw it in the ocean, he looked at his son and said, it makes a difference to this one. You know what I mean? We can make an impact. We must not get overwhelmed by the task at hand. And something needs to be done in order for Jesus Christ to be exalted, for Jesus Christ to be lifted up. And I believe that Jesus would do his part if we as God's people would do our part. But in order for these people to realize that Jesus Christ will change their lives, we've got to allow God to work in our hearts and our life. And the sad thing is many of us live as though God is dead in our hearts and our lives today. A term that I call practical atheism. We live our life as though God does not exist. Folks, we need joy in our life. We need peace in our life. We need repentance. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us, to change our hearts. Jesus wants to work through us for his glory. Evangelism is the overflow of having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we have that close walk with the Lord, we realize that out of us that God can work through us. It's not about us, it's about him. We realize that he is the one with the power and not us. And when Christ is working in our hearts, 
when we're close to the Lord and we're walking, we cannot help but share with others what Jesus has done in our lives. And when we do that, people's lives are changed for all eternity, and that is the greatest thing that can ever happen to an individual. So do you want a revival, church? Do you want to see this nation turn around and once again be what our founding fathers intended it to be? A Christian nation? This text is very simple. I'm not that smart. I mean, I, I just finished seminary. But uh, it's pretty simple to follow this text and see what we must do in order to turn this nation around. If you looked at the text, it says, first, we must humble ourselves. If my people who call me by name will humble themselves. See, we have to get pride out of the way. Pride refuses to admit need. Some of us are losing our houses due to circumstances beyond our control. That is millions of people in this nation. Some of us are losing our jobs. We're afraid to let people know about it. We don't want our names in the paper. Who would? Our pride is keeping us from sharing burdens with each other. Pride keeps us away from what God really wants to happen in our lives. But I've also seen some great Jesus moments. I've seen where people come in and share their burdens. They walk in and say, I am suffering from whatever. And trust me, I won't say I've heard it all, but I've heard a lot. But when people humble themselves and come to the cross and ask for forgiveness and say what's happening in their lives, then they can start to heal. I literally had a brother contact me last month. He said, Michael, why is it so easy for me to let go of the sin, uh, hard for me to let go of the sin in my past when it appears so easy for others to let go of theirs? And I told him, I said, you wouldn't believe how many spiritual mature couples how many perfect couples have called me up with problems in their life and their marriage? The difference is what I, 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 I was in um, a central church last Sunday worshiping at the beach, and it was a blessing to see 10 people get baptized in the ocean. But Steve Swisher preached a message, and he talked about being authentic. That's what the difference is. We need to look into our hearts and take the fakeness away. We need to be ourselves. A church is a place where people should be able to come and get lifted up and lay down their burdens. And fellow Christians should be able to pray for them and not judge them. We are to carry one another's burdens and not tell each other's burdens. Let's look at another issue with pride. I'll put a scripture up on the board, Luke 18, 10 through 14. Let me read that. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, Thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, the extortioners, the unjust, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I tell you, this man went down to this house justified rather than the other. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but the other humbles himself will be exalted. See, pride always finds the faults in others. Pride must always be right. And the sad thing is, people with the most spiritual maturity and with the most knowledge sometimes are the ones who are least responsive to God's word. Knowledge can keep us from seeking, for, but it can lead us to pride. It can seek us um, from seeking God's word. I think about this. A lot of us have become like Pharisees. That's a harsh term sometimes. 
But how do we become like that? Is when we lose a teachable spirit. When we can tell everybody everything, but we cannot be told anything. We must always be open to learn more. So the first thing we must do is we must humble ourselves. We must get pride out of the way. We must see where we have pride in our lives and take it away. Let the Lord take that away. And secondly, we must pray. Our hearts must be purified. See, God wants us to pray. It's not about us. It's about him. And if we're not spending quiet time with the Lord, if we're not intimately praying with the Lord, meditating on God's word, you know what we're doing? We're in essence saying, I've got this all by myself, Lord. I can control my own life. I do not need you. You go help with somebody else because I've got it all. That's what's happening when you do not spend time with the Lord in prayer. And I've heard people say that God doesn't speak to me. I've tried to pray and God doesn't speak to me. You know, one of the blessings I've had in the last couple of weeks is finding a new radio station here, Christian radio station in Colonial Heights. Anybody heard of it? What is it? K-Love 90.1. And you know the center of it is in Colonial Heights? We don't get a lot of center things in Colonial Heights, so it's nice to have something that's centered in Colonial Heights. But one thing that I noticed is the further I drive away from the center of Colonial Heights, the more static that happens until eventually I can't get the station anymore. And that's what happens with God. When we're in close relationship with the Lord, when we're at his center, we can hear him clearly. But the further we get away and the more we have sin creep into our life, the less and less we can hear him until we can't hear him anymore. And prayer is not effective without repentance. I've got to admit... I come to the Lord sometimes with a blanket prayer. You ever done that? Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I don't need to rehash them. You know, you know I've done that before. We just, we just come in a nonchalant attitude. But I think about the way for true repentance is to make a sin list. Write it down. I have to admit, mine probably stretch out this door. Everything that you know that's not right, that you have not asked for forgiveness for the Lord, write it all down. And um, confess your sins before the Lord. Now, a lot of people wouldn't like to write their own sins down on the paper. Who would like to do that, right? Because what? We go back to the pride. We're scared other people will find about it. So if it helps you, write somebody else's name down. Now, I don't encourage you to do that. <laughs> don't do that. Ixnay on that part. Write your own sins down. Confess your sins before God. See, at that point, God wipes us clean. He forgives. He forgets at that point in time. When you're fe- finished confessing your sins before God, give yourself to God. Tell him to fill you up with the Spirit and let you be used for his glory. That is what it means to seek God's face. When we seek God's face, he will reveal to us who we are in his sight. Let the Holy Spirit use you. That's right, the Holy Spirit. I believe God wants to see this nation have a chance for people to hear him. God wants to do something with our nation. God wants to help out. God loves the world. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Do you not think that God wants his world for people to have an opportunity to hear him? If you are sold out for God, the harvest is plentiful. He is just waiting for us to get to work. He is waiting for us to return to him. We need our hearts to return to him. Joel 2, 12 through 13 says, Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. So many people think it's about the money. The Lord wants our heart, not the materialistic things. If we're giving out of a cheerful heart, 
If our heart is right, we don't mind giving to the Lord because we know that the Lord will be exalted. We need to return to him and seek his face. God is saying to us that we must share the good news and people must have the opportunity to at least say yes or no to him. That is what the Lord desires, for all to have an opportunity to hear him. The last condition that we must do is turn from our wicked ways. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. A lot of times we'll go through the same routine. I'm a very routine-oriented person. And some things are not working. Sometimes we'll have to change things up. And that's hard to do because we're structured. We like things a certain way. But when it comes to the circles that you run in, maybe you're in circles um, in church, out of church, where people gossip a lot. Now, the first thing you should do is rebuke it. Shut it down because that's not healthy to gossip. It's a sin. But maybe you need to find new circles. They realize it's hard to do if that's your own family. But you need to shut them down at that point in time and say, hey, that's not healthy. That's not God-honoring. Maybe you struggle from drinking. Uh, You're a recovering alcoholic. Maybe you're tempted to drink. Find ones who don't drink. You wouldn't believe how many people call me up with sins of adultery and pornography. People that are just struggling with that. And they can't help because they see the images on the computer. My suggestion is to unplug the computer, take it, and throw it out the window. There's nothing worth a marriage and a family be broken up over something so silly. Jesus said, if your eyeball calls you to sin, pluck it out. You get the point. Whatever is keeping you from honoring the Lord with all your heart, examine yourself, turn from your wicked ways. And you might say, okay, I can do these things. I can humble myself. I can pray. I can seek his face. I can turn from my wicked ways. One thing is if you look at this scripture, if you really look at it, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, if my people who call me by name will humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from his wicked ways. Does it say we get to pick one of the four? It says we must do all these things. And if we do these things, then we can get the rewards that he will hear us from heaven. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone that hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and him with me. Folks, Jesus is standing at the door. He is waiting for us to respond as a church. He will hear us when we are ready to do our part. Secondly, he will forgive us. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean forget in our world, does it? A divorced person doesn't forget that they've been divorced. A person who's grown up with abuse in their family does not forget that they've been abused. But true forgiveness is not one of retaliation with that person. It's wanting God to work in their hearts and change that person's life. But when God forgives and he promises to forgive the land, he forgets our sin. He forgets it. Then and only then will healing begin in this land. To do our part, we have to get away from self. God is always working in people's hearts and lives. So it's time for us to roll up our sleeves and get to work, Mount Pleasant. I believe although there is is a church that appears to be almost on every corner in Tri-Cities. For the last two years, I have met someone who has never heard the name Jesus in Tri-Cities. That is hard to believe, isn't it? But it's also how many people are going out and sharing the good news. They're sharing the gospel. It is my desire as your outreach and evangelism pastor that over the next 12 months that every door be knocked on in the city of Colonial Heights and people be invited to come to church. 
They realize when you do this, if you knock on the door and they say, yeah, I go to Clients Baptist. Okay, who's the pastor? They say, okay, Pastor Hahn. Well, then you might know that they go to church on a regular basis. That's great. Praise God that they're plugged into a church. But if you go to a church and you ask them, uh, where do you go? Well, I go to Mount Pleasant. Great, I go there too. I haven't seen you in a while. You know, uh, who's the pastor there? Julian Yule. It might give you a clue that they haven't been to church in a while, right? At that point in time, it's time for us to invite them and bring them back into church. Those people might say, some people might say that you can't knock on doors. You can't possibly do that. Well, those are the people who aren't doing that, who aren't knocking on doors. There are people who say that you can't possibly walk up to strangers and talk, talk to them about Jesus. Those are the people who would easily walk up to somebody and talk about the decision with LeBron James last week, right? They have no problem walking up to strangers and doing that. So my suggestion is the same as Dr. Weathersby's suggestion, is that you listen to those who are actually doing it, the ones who are actually going out and sharing God's word and not the people who are standing on the sidelines and complaining. I think about me just graduating. I literally just finished up my last paper on Thursday. Uh, my wife was very happy about that. Um, and I'm done with seminary. But Jerry Falwell, I've read his story immensely. And, um, and I won't get into the details of how the beginning of the church started. But when they called him to be pastor of Thomas Road Baptist Church, one of the first things he did was he knocked on a hundred doors a day, six days a week. That's what he did every day except for Sunday because he was preaching all day on Sunday. If he didn't get to 100 doors by dinner, he would stop over his girlfriend's at the time, Macy Falwell's house, and have, and have dinner and then go back out till he got to 100. It is possible. So you might ask, what's my part? We're getting ready to have a church-wide visitation. We want to go find out. I think we have 21, 2,400 people in the roll. I think we average about 700 here a week, so I want to find out where the other 1,700 are. We want to go visit them. We want to love on them. We want to invite them back to church. Evangelism classes will be offered this fall. If you've never before taken evangelism class, I encourage you to do such. Learn how to share God's word. It has changed my life by taking the way of the master. I actually had a Myrna Wicker. I think she's not in the service. I think she's in the next one. She actually came up to me last semester, and she walked into the, the class, and Myrna is so sweet. She goes, Am I too old for this class? And Marina just turned 80. And, and I looked at her, and I said, are you breathing? She said, well, yes, I am. And I said, well, good. Then you're not too old to share the gospel. As long as you have breath in you, you can share the gospel. And Myrna is on fire for the Lord. If you've been to k Barbecue, you've probably got a track from the way of the master because she loves to come in before Wednesdays and hand people tracks about our Lord Here's an idea. Invite neighbors. Do you know that the number one pre reason people come to church is because they're invited? That's all you have to do. Do you actually know your neighbors? Have you knocked on the doors? Now, some of us might know all of our neighbors, but how many of us really don't know our neighbors? I experienced, um, unfortunately, the last couple of weeks, a tragedy in our neighborhood where somebody lost their mother and their father got put away. And I went and knocked on the door. And do you realize that nobody in the whole neighborhood knew who they were? Nobody had taken time to get to know this family. And that's sad. Because we as Christians should be sharing God's word. We should be going to our neighbors. That's what it says to love your neighbor as yourself. And we need to, we need to lift up. So I encourage you to maybe to knock on your neighbor's doors as we get to know them. Invite them to dinner. 
Maybe have a block party in your subdivision. Get a couple people together and have a block party. Invite people. Get to know them. So, folks, what's it going to be? One, you definitely need to pray for our church. You need to pray for our city, our nation, our leaders. A lot of people like to complain about the state of the nation, but how many of us actually get on our knees and pray for our leaders, for God to work in their hearts and make the proper decisions? So if you go back to the first part of this verse, 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, if my people. That implies that we have a choice. It doesn't say when my people. It says if my people. So you have a choice today. The first choice, if you do not know the Lord is your Savior, may today be the day that you change your life for all eternity. Some people have not come forward and admit that they do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because they have pride in their hearts. I've seen stories where, where people have been in church for 20 or 30 years and have never had uh, that, that moment where they've confessed their sins. Where Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that on the third day God raises from the dead, you shall be saved. The reason that they have not done that is because they're scared to let people know they have not made that decision. They have not come forward and done that. So I would encourage you today, as we get ready for invitation, that you, you look at yourself and you humble yourself and you come forward. There'll be pastors available here at the front that you actually examine yourself. And if you were to die today, are you 100% certain that you would spend eternity in heaven or will you spend eternity in separation from God? That is the most important thing on the task today is to make sure that you know 100% that you will be spending eternity in heaven. Revelation 3.15 says to the church in Laodicea, I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold nor hot, but because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Church, I believe we've been lukewarm for too long. It's time to step up. It's time for God to work in our hearts. And so as we prepare for invitation today, I'd encourage you, if you've never, if you've been visiting here, and you never joined this church, and the Lord's laid that on your heart today, that you would come forward and do that. But even more so, today would be a day that we examine ourselves. I invite each and every person in this congregation, if you're able to, to come forward at the altar and pray and humble yourself. See where you have pride in your life. See where you need to pray and ask for forgiveness and seek God's face. See what you need to turn from. Today would be the day that this church starts turning around and starts seeking God's face, that we would lay it all to the altar, to the Lord, to change our hearts, see and examine ourselves. The title of the message today is Healing the Nation One Heart at a Time. It's up to you, church. Do you want to see this nation turn around? Do you want to see the Tri-Cities turn upside down for the Lord? Do you want every single person to know that there, that there is a Jesus, that there is a heaven, and there's only one way to get to it? John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is only one way, and that is Jesus.